Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! Give me back Rose. <laughs> you took Rose! Oh man, we got a fun one today. We got a fun one today. Um, how about that game though we just watched? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I... Do you want to give some context about Hot Mickey in this one? He he just was completely absent in our fantasy football chat the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> just like was not in there doing or saying anything. Hot, Hot Mickey is a diehard loyal Chargers fan. And um, one thing about, you know, Chargers fans is that they're, they're all sadists. It's pain. It's all pain. <laughs> um, and the Chargers just suffered what I would probably say is a pretty devastating, you know, rough heartbreaking loss. loss. To, um, yeah. Cowboys, Less than so. like a minute and a half left against the Cowboys. Herbert throws a pick, basically sealing the game for the Cowboys. So we're going to call Hot Mickey. He's not on this recording. I'm going to call him, see what he has to say. Let's hopefully he picks up. <laughs> Calling him now. I hope I still have the same phone number. <laughs> I know we never. <laughs> Mickey? <laughs> oh, you reached Mickey. Ah, <laughs> what a coward. What a he's coward. Gonna, <laughs> when he hears this episode on Thursday, crying. he's going to know. We'd, we'll try, we'll try yeah. again in about 30 minutes. It went straight to voicemail, so he probably shut off his phone after he saw that pick and just probably crying yeah. in a corner somewhere. Maybe someone should check on him. <laughs> yeah, anybody who knows where he's at. This episode will come out on Thursday, so if he's still AWOL in a few days, I think we'll have bigger problems. That's right. And um that, you know, that Chargers lost there. That is not the only horrifying thing ah. we are talking about today. Um that's right, everyone. Today we are talking about the number one mold horror game simulator, Resident Evil Village. Woo! That is right. The 8 out of 10 from IGN, 9 out of 10 from GameSpot, 9 out of 10 from Destructoid, 83 out of 100 on Metacritic. Resident Evil Villadage. There's not really one yeah. way to do it. Resident Evil Village slash Resident Evil 8. Honestly, I feel like they kind of fumbled that title a little bit because it is a little bit confusing. What do you think? Matt? I kind of get understand why they did that, though, because, you know, it's not meant to be like the newest. It's an extension of Biohazard is how I took it, kind of, or like well, of that story. It's confusing because, well, Resident Evil is the Resident Evil is the U.S. name for Biohazard. The name of the series in Japan is Biohazard. So like Resident oh. Evil 1 is actually called Biohazard, but Resident Evil 7 is called Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. What was so it called like, in Japan then? Biohazard, Biohazard? I don't I actually don't know. We, we'd have to we have to look it up here. I meant to look it up before this recording, but it's I think it's called Resident Evil 7 Biohazard in Japan, which probably creates a little bit of confusion for the Japanese audience. And then Got Resident it. Evil 8 Village or just Resident Evil Village. I'm convinced that they went with Village just for the V, the Roman numerals V I I I thing. What do you think? Mm, yeah, it checks yeah. out. The math is there. Um, you'll have to look that up while I'm giving the plot synopsis. What they call it? In Go Japan. for it. Go for it. But um, before we jump into that, I want to give everyone a quick reminder. As always, you know, you can find us online at TFP Podcast. That's at TFP Podcast. Then S at the end. Um, that's our Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And on the Instagram and Twitter, link trees uh, in the bio there, you can go ahead and find a link to our website. But most importantly, our Discord. The Discord is the best place to reach myself, Lucas, Hot Mickey, The Milkman, Hylet, Orion, any of the core members of TFP. 
come hang out in the Discord. It's a great time. We all have a lot of good fun in there. Uh, as well, you can also find us online uh, on just the Google, the internet. Thanks for playing .live. Got some great ring content up there you can check out. Uh, you can find our YouTube, thanks for playing. And as well, you can shoot us an email. Thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. Coming out, it's a great time. If you um, if you ask me a question, I'll answer with a selfie. So shoot me an email. Great. And, and every week that, that doesn't happen, the selfie is just going to be more risque and... <clears throat> uh yeah so look forward to that uh all right everyone resident evil village um this is the sequel to uh, as we said resident evil 7 biohazard so we'll give you a brief synopsis in case you're unfamiliar like i was of what to expect with this game so resident evil village is the eighth main installment in the iconic survival horror video game series resident evil slash biohazard the story <laughs> follows ethan winters a sieve who becomes embroiled in, a, embroiled in a nightmarish situation after his daughter Rose is kidnapped by a mysterious cult led by Mother Miranda. <clears throat> to rescue his daughter, Ethan must navigate a creepy and enigmatic village inhabited by grotesque creatures, including werewolves or lichens, as they call them in the, in the game, vampires, and other monstrous entities. Throughout the game, Ethan encounters various allies and enemies, including series veteran Chris Redfield. As he delves deeper mm-hmm. into the village secrets, he discovers a dark and disturbing conspiracy involving supernatural elements and biological experiments, all tied to a centuries-old cult. Ethan's journey is filled with intense combat exploration and puzzle solving, offering players a thrilling and terrifying experience as they uncover the truth behind the village horrors and strive to save Rose from the clutches of evil. Dun, dun, dun. Love it. Good synopsis, man. Thanks, and man. this Chat, was Chat GPT is crushing it. All right, <laughs> this was your first Resident Evil slash Biohazard game. Is that correct, Matt? Yes, sir. Well, I've been pretty scared. Awesome. <laughs> Just scared to play them in general. Yes, sir. Um, gotcha. I want to talk about Capcom a little bit real quick. Just mm-hmm. my God, are they incredible? Like, do Just they miss execution? Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, do they ever miss? I mean, they have like a lot of kind of phoned in games. Like, they have some Mega Man games over the years that have kind of been like mobile game like really low bar type type stuff but Eggman like from Sonic? No, like Mega Man. Oh, Mega, Mega Man. Man. Surge, yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, did you think I said Eggman? <laughs> I was like I didn't know we had to do his own spin-offs. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh that I, I would play it. Uh yeah, I think uh Capcom's and I've been saying this I think all year. Capcom's like current AAA balls to the walls video game lineup is incredible and honestly they had they've had like an amazing run the last couple years with like basically creating the re engine which all their newer games are running on um creating and redoing uh resident evil 4 the resident evil 4 remake is absolutely fantastic one of the best games to come out this year on top of street fighter coming out as well uh and then you know us playing this game which is already a couple years old uh, they're just absolutely crushing it. Um, Resident Evil is a series that's been reinvented twice over its 25 plus year yep. sort of run as a franchise. Um, it's gotten a little wonky here and there with like the plot line, but um, honestly, with the most recent one two punch of Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8, uh, Capcom's really on top of the horror genre once again. So um, I really like this. Uh, I have a lot to say about kind of the context of Resident Evil, but. Uh, we could jump into initial thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. And real quick, I mean, just to shout out the other games you've made. I mean, I'm so blown away with how like wide their portfolio is. I mean, they got 
Resident Evil, of course, Monster Hunter, Street Fighter, Mega Man, Devil May Cry, Dead Rising, Ace Attorney, Marvel vs. Capcom. So they have two of the biggest fighting games just under their umbrella. That's crazy. (laughs) That's Um, pretty nuts. Animusha, it's actually I'm not familiar with, and then uh, Dragon's Dogma, so... Yeah, um, pretty, pretty crazy. The, pretty the cool crazy. thing, too, about Capcom is they've just been around for so long. I mean, they've yeah. been around since the 80s, 90s. Uh, they've like have a very storied like resume in terms of big, big names. Devil May Cry is a very, very like storied and beloved franchise. Mega Man is a storied and beloved franchise. Ace Attorney, although niche, um, is very beloved amongst people that like visual novels or people awesome. that just played those games growing up like me. Yeah. Yeah. And then like on top of it, they're also kings of just pop horror stuff like Resident Evil, uh, mainstream body horror video games. And yep. uh, that's pretty awesome. And also like, I mean, we spent half the year talking about Street Fighter six, uh, yeah. <laughs> which runs off the same engine as this, which is crazy. Yeah. Pretty insane. And I mean, yeah, I'm, very impressed with them um as well too a fun fun note aside this game's actually releasing re-releasing on ios on october 30th so a little halloween gift for you all there because i don't know if we've talked about this on the pod yet apparently the new iphone can run like anything um yeah which is kind of kind of insane actually because apparently they're gonna run uh you can run death stranding on it which you have the new newest iphone you're um i I do. Oh, you're literally built different with titanium now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> well, I have a Apple Arcade three months for free too since getting the new phone. Mm. So I've been playing Balloons Tower Defense on it. Oh, I know um, Justin from uh, IGN, right? Justin. Justin YouTube. Davis on. He's Instagram. a big. Yeah. He's a big Mobile Apple game. Arcade guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Specifically, Apple Arcade but... is amazing. I, I will not put it down at all. Apple Arcade is a really, really, really great deal for sure. Uh, real quick, Matt, I just sent you an image. This is remarkable. So it's called Biohazard 7 Resident Evil in Japan. And in America, <laughs> it's called Resident Evil Biohazard. Both of those names graphically work for 7, which is wild. Like, how how did they do that? So for That's those of amazing. you that are just the visual here, Resident Evil seven biohazard the way like the graphic is for the title the logo for the game evil the v the i and the l in evil are are like highlighted in such a way that it shows the roman numerals seven v i i so it makes sense and then for the japanese version biohazard the z in biohazard is highlighted so that it forms a seven out of the z so biohazard seven makes sense capcom how could you? It's uh it's interesting. I didn't realize that it came out two days earlier, it looks like in or Biohazard. It would have came out two days earlier than um in the US than it did in Japan. Oh yeah. I guess it's kinda it surprising because yeah. you know, it's a Japanese game, Japanese made game, yeah. but the more you know, the more you know. Um Shall we jump cool. into your initial thoughts? First impressions, yeah. Um you were well, scared first, to tell. I mean, what an opening. Like, the opening's not really too scary. It's definitely eerie, but I want to highlight specifically the opening, like, story they tell from that children's book. Mm-hmm. Um, one, we're just going to get right into spoilers, I guess. One, it's interesting because it's literally Mother Miranda reading to Rose at that point, which is, like, 
interesting. I honestly don't even remember cool. the contents of the story that much, but the well, whole the, time they were doing it, I was like, man, they just totally ripped off like the Deathly Hollows artistic style here on this. Yeah, they so kind of did. You, did you get that as well? Yeah, yeah, I totally yeah. got that. It kind of had like a similar like plot. whimsical dark fairy tale kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, on. but I think yeah. it had a pretty similar thing where it was like, oh, they met death or something like that. Well, yeah, but the the story that is being told to her is the story that you go through because she meets like a fish monster. She meets oh, like a vampire. Yeah, yeah. Like she meets all of the characters that you end up meeting, all the, the four houses or what yeah. have you. So um, that was a little fun thing that was going yeah. on. Um, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, such a terrifying game. Um, like from the opening, just like with the suddenness of who at the time, as far as you can tell, is just your wife getting murdered and then you're dragged away, forced on this truck. And then you end up in this terrifying village where, I got to say the opening with the lichens, particularly the opening where they're literally all just like watching you like on the rooftops as you're entering one of the second areas. Like they don't attack you yet. They're just watching you. Uh, I think I had to replay that like or pause like three times, even in just that sequence, because I was so fucking scared. Yeah. Um, I actually, for me, I think the beginning of the game is actually some of the scariest parts because you're not that used to it yet as far as like the combat in it. You have very limited ammo in the beginning considering what you have to fight in the beginning. Um, And you just truly feel that helplessness. And man, I got to say, my boy Ethan, he's just suffering, man. Like (laughs) Poor guy, dude. (laughs) He's just getting ripped apart the whole entire game. Fucking... Like within the first 30 minutes, like loses his ring and his pinky finger on his left hand. Yeah. I was um, comparing him to like Reiner from Attack on Titan, like just wants to fucking like just suffering, just probably wants to die, like not having a good time, like <laughs> just suffering. But um, yeah, I mean, just a super strong opening is something I noticed pretty immediately, too, is just how uh, how good and how good of use it makes of not using having music really and really capitalizing on just the sounds around you because mm-hmm. you're in an abandoned village. It's been kind of like run down and destroyed. What are you going to hear? Probably lots of creaking parts of probably lots of like, even if it's just an animal scampering around, like little click clack on broken wood or whatever. Um, and most notably what I found really effective in the game that caught me right away too, was just how audible your own breathing and your own steps are. Yeah. Very, um, very cool choice. I would even at times like, be running in circles because i keep thinking like oh my god i hear something coming for me and then i just realize it's my own footsteps um, or my own <laughs> breathing and i'm just like I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot um but the game starts off hella stressful hella scary and really sets the tone i think for the game and um honestly as far as like the first hour in a game i, I think it's one of the best i've played in a while yeah awesome yeah same here i mean i think i was i was all the way in as soon as i played it i played a little bit of village um, I've played a lot of Resident Evils. This is like my fourth Resident Evil. So I've played one, I've played four, um, I've played five, a little bit of six, seven, and now eight. And I, I'm i a big horror fan myself. I really like getting scared. Um, I think of like a game like Resident Evil, especially re- like this Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8, to be almost like a roller coaster or something where it's kind of all in good fun. Um, you know, sometimes it's challenging here and there. It's tough, but... Like the jump scare is going to come. You're going to get a like a heart racing, heart pounding moment in the game. Ooh, yeah. But at the end of the day, you're moving forward. A lot of quick time events, a lot of just like fun stuff happening throughout the game. And 
Um, you know, the only times you really are going to actually die are probably with boss fights or something, something yeah. that's like a little bit more challenging. For the most part, uh, you're just getting scared, fighting off zombies and kind of freaking out a little bit, you know, but the illusion of pure powerlessness, of pure like horror is always present in the game, which I think is really awesome. One of the first things I noticed is you jump in, you move slow, you turn a little bit slow. Yeah. You never have enough ammo. I, I had to turn up my sensitivity as much as I could. Even then, I'm like, I'm <laughs> yeah. still moving pretty slow. Yeah, and that's all intentional, too. Like, yeah. they really do design the game to make you feel like you never really feel like an action hero. You're not playing Apex. You're not playing Call of Duty. Like, even though you can sprint, run, shoot, uh, switch weapons very quickly, uh, reload, like, all the kind of normal stuff that you would expect from a first-person shooter, it's all toned down so that everything is slower, um, everything is, like, a little bit more difficult, everything is scarier for that reason. Um, so I picked up on that right away, um, you know, to the point where just walking through the village is scary, like walking through and not knowing where the threat is, not knowing where something's going to come from and kind of turning around, turning around, turning around. That is very effective and very cool. Uh, cause I think not only is this game set in the horror genre, I think, and I'll get into this a lot when I talk about like game design a little bit. I feel like the game from a very, from a mechanical level, from the bones of the game is designed to make you feel as scared as possible. Um, Except during very specific moments, which I want to talk about where you do feel a little bit more powerful. Again, very well-intentioned, very intentioned moments of the game um, and just through and through perfect execution when it comes to making me feel scared. You know what's crazy though is apparently like they toned down the scariness significantly from uh, from Biohazard. Yeah, seven was very scary. Yeah. <laughs> seven was you, even you, scary. You did play I'd seven. Say. I didn't play it all the way through, but I played about half of it, and it is too scared. very very creepy. Yeah, I was too scared. I actually was playing it last Halloween because it was kind of my Halloween game back then, and I think just got caught up with other TFP games to play, so I didn't end up finishing mm-hmm. that one out. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, yeah, I mean just. I was texting Lucas so much while playing this. Like, there's one part in the pretty like pretty early stages, like within the first hour, hour and a half. Like, you have to run through a field, and there's like scarecrows and stuff in it. You can just like you can hear shit ruffling around and like yeah, all that. And I I kid you all not. Like, I probably like procrastinated doing that once I got to that point for like 30 minutes, just kind of staring at it. And I'm just kind of like doing other shit around my house and like going back and looking at it and pausing the game and like oh I'll do it in a minute and then like. I was like, man, I'm actually like genuinely like, I don't want to go in there. I, yeah. I don't. And I remember that I just texted Luke because I sent him a picture. I'm like, bro, I'm don't make forget me go what in. I said. I was like, I don't want to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you like, you were playing, you want to talk about how you were playing this game a little bit? Like, yeah, yeah, I was going to get to you that. playing it. Yeah. Um, so at, at first, until about maybe halfway through Lady, I forget what her name was, but Lady I just called D. her. I called her Lady Darkness and then the three night the three night mommies, her her daughters. <laughs> um, but once you got to Lady Darkness's Lady D's home, about halfway through that, I was just so stressed. I was either only playing during the day, um, with like all my windows open and the sun shining in and my lights turned on, or only playing at night with all my lights turned on and everything. And whenever I was playing, for the most part, I had like some sort of just like fun, chill music playing in the background just to like distract <laughs> me from everything else because I was just so like I honestly, if I didn't have that, I, I scare very easy in video games. I like yeah. horror movies, but the interactivity, you know, the nature of the video game meeting with that, it just, it, it goes from like a fun horror experience to like, I'm actually getting physically a little stressed. <laughs> um, so I needed that, you know, like my cortisol levels are like pumping. Um, so I needed that just to kind of like 
help me chill out a bit. Um, so I was playing the game pretty, uh, pretty terrified the whole time. <laughs> and I was just trying to burn through it. Honestly, I was so scared. I was just yeah, pushing through yeah. it, but it, good. I mean, we'll talk about it. But I mean, I, despite how I felt the need to play it, like it's a good, it's a good game. I think that like, there's something to be said, like the game is totally doing its job. Well, if you're like scared of playing it, if you're scared of different moments, yeah, like, I mean, I, I call that perfect execution. I don't think another game has made me f- felt that way before. Um, yeah. The only time that like I've felt like genuinely stressed playing a video game like that, like that kind of stress was probably, um, maybe at certain points in until dawn, but maybe not really things I had you there with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like though that, there's that one very just awful scene in a uh, Doki Doki literature club. That was right. 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 That, right. Like I remember I literally like slammed my laptop shut when I was, yeah, playing that, that one is, that one is very scary. Um, um, but I do, I, yeah, I do have a little bit of a fun little tidbit for you here. Um, so the development of this game or the development, I guess, of seven Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8, just before we move on to the other topics here, um, they start off very, very differently. So what, what was happening with the Resident Evil franchise for a while was they went from kind of a fixed camera horror story driven type of game in Resident Evil 1, 2 and 3 finally going over the shoulder over the shoulder third person action for Resident Evil 4. That was considered a reinvention of the genre, or a reinvention of the of the franchise. Resident Evil 4 is a beloved, very very well celebrated video game. Uh, Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 6 were more of the same and then some of the spin-offs were also very similar. And the series started really taking the role of like action third person video games, right? And when the development started for Resident Evil 7, there was actually preliminary versions of the game that were developed in 2013 that were supposed to be actually way more action oriented had a couple of different protagonists and were actually set in Venice, Italy and had a really? Telltale Games inspired choice mechanic. So oh, that was the direction that that. <laughs> yeah, that was Resident Evil 7. Let's do that. <laughs> and then um, what happened was they scaled things back. Um, the director who is named uh, Koshi Nakanishi, who's been the developer of actually a lot of Resident Evil games, Resident Evil uh, five no designer on Resident Evil Five, director of uh, Mercenaries 3D, Resident Evil Revelations, and Resident Evil Seven Biohazard, um, really pushed for pumping the brakes on development and developing their own proprietary engine called the RE engine. Um, what uh, what you, engine were they using before? Uh, I am not sure if they maybe were using like Unreal or maybe a, a slightly older engine. We could probably look into what Resident Evil Six was running on. But developing an engine for those of you that don't understand. That is a huge, huge, huge undertaking. A lot of developers, go ahead. MT framework. MT framework. A lot of developers uh, these days develop on like something like Unreal, right? And we've talked about this before, or Unity or something like that. A lot of indie games are developed on Unity, which it's a whole other podcast episode about where Unity is kind of landing these days. But bottom line is there's a lot of engines out there that you or I have access to that we could learn programming on that's specific to that engine, that we could learn physics on that's specific to that engine. And to develop your own proprietary engine is a huge undertaking. That's what they did. That's what the director pushed for. And it paid off. Um, They completely reinvented the genre going back to or for the first time going to a complete first-person perspective for Resident Evil and making it pure body horror once again rather than action-oriented. And Resident Evil 7 plays out very similar to Resident Evil 8 in that you can't really move that fast, you're limited on ammo, all that stuff, and introducing a new protagonist, which is Ethan Winters, right? Um, whose face we don't see. 
which is pretty uh, yeah. interesting choice as well. Kind of like reminds me of a uh, Bioshock a little bit. Oh yeah, you don't in Bioshock. Yeah, huh. the faceless first person protagonist trope, which I think Bioshock kind of invented and Resident Evil Seven and Eight kind of ran with. I kind of fuck with it. Yeah, yeah it is very cool. Uh, um, and actually, the one that Resident Evil Six was built on, MT Framework, was actually another game engine that Capcom had built. So, gotcha. They've been uh, they've been being silly for a minute over there, but <laughs> I mean, I guess they just wanted to upgrade, which makes sense because I mean, it's a very great engine. It looks I- great. I feel like even like the hair, it's cool to see something run on something different, right? Because like yeah. the more things run on Unreal, kind of the more similar they look, um, in my opinion. Same thing with Unity, and. Um, just seeing like the way the hair physics look in this game or the way the textures look is kind of a nice breath of fresh air. And I, honestly, I think that the sound in, in the RE engine is really, really, really good. Like I feel like the surround sound, like the way things were coming from it, it just felt like it was really high quality, really well-built sound environments. Um, I know that's partially on the developer, like developing in that game itself, but I also think that the engine's handling sound really, really well because even like Street Fighter Six has incredibly dynamic sound uh, throughout it, so... Still can't believe these two games were used for. <laughs> I know it's so wild, it's yeah. so wild. Um, uh, you want to jump into uh, well, we got when when did it click? You want to go through that a little bit? Once I got out of Lady Lady Darkness's uh, castle, um, yeah, because that's when I felt like I really understood the game. Just like as far as okay, here's how I'm gonna play, here's what I need to do, here's what I'm gonna craft, and that just really all kind of came together and then of course you go to fucking donna's house and it's just you lose Dude. everything and it's awful and it's one of the worst part not worst so good one of, the, one of the scariest parts of the game by far um, yeah but yeah once i got out of lady d's castle and honestly too i mean her castle is like as far as the individual you know um lords like domains houses that you visit um i think hers is probably the most intricate i'd say it's definitely the most built like the most built well-built. out yeah, yeah. Except for the I factory, really, I really like the factory. Like the first thing you see when you get down there, you just see like the conveyor belts of everyone. Yeah, that was just a really cool like visual shot. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. awesome. I like, I love the boss of the factory so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was, oh, dude, just the propeller head guy. It's <laughs> so sick. Yeah, I love the way this game generally handled boss fights. Actually, I don't know if we're covering that now. Maybe we could talk about that in game design. But for me, it clicked pretty much off the bat. Um, since I had played other Resident Evil games, played Resident Evil 7, I think I kind of knew what to expect with this one, especially to like playing the Resident Evil 4 remake. The crafting system is very, very, very similar in Resident Evil 4. Um, and you know, it's like very basic components, maybe four or five different components that you could turn to a number of different craftable items. Um, and yeah, I kind of just knew what to expect as a Resident Evil game. You know, herbs heal you, typewriters are save points, pretty standard Resident Yo, Evil Yo, can affair. we talk about, like, the healing juice we were using? Dude, I, it's kind of a meme. Like, just you just I pour, mean, like, there's the, you just there's pour the shit scene on your where arm. Lady D literally chops off his hand, and I was like, oh, I wonder how we're going to fix that. I mean, that must be a huge, like, plot point, actually. Literally, like, the next scene, just pour some of the medical whatever fluid on his the chem fluid on his hand and his arm yep. and just sticks it back together and it's like, good i know what? well you learn like, later why yeah, he was yeah. able to do that but, but i was yeah. like why did he know he could do that why was he like- <laughs> <laughs> i know i know there's like memes because it's like he'll just get rocked like he'll get stabbed in the face shot beat up killed and then he just like pours, pours some like, stuff water on his, on his yeah. left arm and he's good and it's just like all right we're chilling good 
I love that's it. like kind of a it, it's weird resident evil does have weirdly it has like a sense of dark really really dark humor like even the fact that like herbs heal you or like in resident evil 4 like you spray like first aid spray in your face to heal and it makes no <laughs> sense um sometimes like characters are unintentionally or intentionally like really funny in a in a weird way because like I don't know, even like the daughters are like, okay, I guess I'll give an example where like you're fighting Mother Miranda at the very end and she's like teasing you or not fighting her, but like it's when Ethan, spoiler alert, when Ethan gets killed, stabbed, like his heart gets taken out of his chest and you're kind of trying to shoot at Mother Miranda. He's like, (laughs) come back here, you fucking bitch. (laughs) Just like screams that at her. And it was just, it's just funny. It just sounded funny. Like they just know how insane the scenario is, is and how yeah. like ridiculous these people sound sometimes and like the overacting of like Chris Redfield the whole entire time where he's like I, I'm telling you Ethan you like that wasn't Mia now get in this tank and fight Carl yeah. Eisenberg and it's like okay I'm in a tank now yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's very silly in like when you zoom out but the game Resident Evil has always been really smart in its tone to like ride that line really really well and like just have this humor when you're zoomed out out of context, but then in the moment you're just in it and you're just like scared still. I think it's very cool. Yeah. I, um, yeah, cool. All right. A little bit about the story. I actually real quick, I, I really enjoyed Chris Redfield's overacting. Yeah, I know. I I thought it was so great. I'm like, this is just like, like you could plop him like that same voice actor and with that kind of same cadence into like, any like mid two thousands war movie and it's just perfect. You know, like that's I the know. energy it brought. I loved it. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about the story and the story design. Um, you know, I actually, I, I quite liked it more than I thought I would. I think for a lot of the reasons that you just kind of explained, like the whole thing is just so, you know, kind of ridiculous. And I feel like in a, in a lot of strong ways, like the game leans into it pretty well or like, or, you just find a tank or yeah. you just, <laughs> yeah. um, and Heisenberg's just like, I don't know, like in, in a way it's kind of tropey. It's like, Oh, let's come on. Let's go get mother Miranda. Like, you know, yeah, like yeah. together, but like it just dark cult, like, dark cult, yeah. like it just, it's, it's executed. I'd say to perfection. Um, and, and it, it just, it works so well. Um, my only complaint, and it's not that big of a nitpick, but I just, I wish the, I feel like the bulk of the story really came like in the last 10%, like once you actually take over as Chris Redfield for a bit. Yeah. Um, I feel like, especially once you get into Mother Miranda's like workshop, I feel like that's where you like learn so much, right? In the bulk of the story. The whole, honestly. it's very bottom heavy story. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I kind of like being more, having more opportunities and there are opportunities, you know, um, to like learn about each of the, uh, each of the Lords throughout the game and everything and learn more about like what they're about. But, um, I was a little, I just would, I wish it was more spread out. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with you there. That was kind of my only nitpick for the story, but I think just where, where the whole like plot goes is really cool. I mean, you start off like think of where eight point A is to point Z. It's like you start yeah. off fighting zombie lichen type creatures, like in a village, in an abandoned European village, right? Then you go to like into a gothic castle and fight like a vampire family, and then like you go to a lake and fight like a fish monster. You go into a dollhouse and fight like a doll, 
and like a creepy, probably one of the creepiest monsters ever to exist in a video game that you don't even fight. You just run away from yeah. that like baby thing um, to like fighting, <laughs> like fighting mechanical zombie factory, like bioweapons to fighting Magneto, zombie Magneto, like amalgamation thing to fighting like a literal dark angel. Like the last final fight with M Mother Miranda is like, it's almost like fighting. It's almost like you're not even in a zombie game anymore. You're fighting like an angel, like a dark, yeah. like devil-like angel who's shooting it's like, like uh, at you. Fuck, what's that game? Uh, fucking the B. It's a Nintendo game. Bayonetta. Bay yeah, you're fighting like a Bayonetta type. Yeah. Like you're fighting a Final Fantasy final boss in the in the very end of this game. And like just the journey to get there, I think, is really awesome. I got to say, I really feel like Heisenberg could have kind of just taken out Mother Miranda, honestly. I know. Uh, I feel like he was really fucking strong and really overpowered. Just like, the, yeah. obviously, the game doesn't exploit it, but just like he's literally like has control over magnetism and magneto stuff. Like it, so, yeah. so much you could do, but... um. One note too, you know, I I actually it's interesting because I'm usually not a huge fan of, and I, I've been critical of this before on the podcast. And for example, with games like um, what what was it, uh, Metroid Metroid Prime, where mm -hmm. I don't really like where, generally speaking, I don't like when a lot of the game has to be discovered through like notes or discoverables or things like that. Like a lot mm -hmm. of or where like that's where the bulk of the story comes from. Because there's some things where it's balanced. Like I think Last of Us is very balanced with delivering you the story. Versus like finding things. And then like, for example, I think on one end of the spectrum, Metroid is very heavy on like you need to. It's pretty much all scanning. All, <laughs> all scanning, notes. everything. But with this game, you know, it's a lot of finding notes and everything to truly get the bulk of the story. But I really like get the lore in the background of all the characters in the situation. But I liked how they did it because I think they made the discovery of those notes and those things very organic. Like, for example, you find a note about Mother Miranda or a Mother Miranda or a note about Heisenberg, like next to some ammo and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like it felt very just natural in the flow of the game rather than like, I need to pause and make sure I scanned every fucking little thing or like, yeah. make sure I searched every you know, nook and cranny for whatever. Um, I thought they did that very, very well. I agree. I agree. They placed the notes really well and there wasn't too many. And when you did find a note, it usually had some information that, the way they were written was simple enough so that you got the picture. Like I remember when you beat Moreau and then you go into his cave and you find the vial by the reservoir and everything. Um, there's like a note where Moreau's like in his journal writing, I tried to put Kadu in this guy and he didn't accept it. I tried to place Kadu in this thing and that that experiment failed. And you're and like, help me in. what's what Kadu again? It's like a piece of the, it's like a creature from the mold. Yeah, it's a creature. So the, yeah, exactly. So ultimately you're fighting like a giant parasite that lives under this village that mother Miranda found like a hundred years ago. And it's like the, it's called like the mega or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, uh, could do up at the end. Could do is a parasite that was built or created scientifically from the mega And, um, the interesting thing is like, as far as the resident evil story goes, this, what we discovered in this resident evil game filled in some gaps. This actually is, in chronological order, the earliest Resident Evil game, like Miranda herself, because Umbrella, like for those of you that don't know, the Resident Evil franchise revolves around a corporation called Umbrella, which created a virus, which created zombies, basically. Um, and the majority of the Resident Evil series is about like 
a special team of agents going all over the world to fight biohazard weapons that have been developed. And like Umbrella is usually tied to it in some sort of way. Turns out the founder of Umbrella visited that village and met Mother Miranda years ago before he actually built Umbrella the corporation. And you find the Umbrella logo in the game, which is where the founder of Umbrella got it. So the Umbrella logo that we know within the Resident Evil universe was actually an icon or a symbol that originated in that village in Europe. Um, and Mother Miranda is sort of the originator of early, early biohazard, biohuman, biochemical weaponry. Wait, where was the where was the logo in the game? The logo was um, at the altar that you find, oh, um, okay. like the giant's altar or whatever. There's like an umbrella, like a octagon type logo. That's the gotcha. umbrella logo there. Okay. Um, and that was cool because I didn't really get that at first. I actually had to watch a video on, on like how that tied in. I was like, wait, uh, umbrella was here. And then in the very end, like you mentioned, when Chris Redfield goes into Miranda's workshop and finds all those notes, one of the notes is a letter from the umbrella founder saying like, oh, it was great to study under you. You're doing some amazing work here. And like, I hope to bring it back with me overseas and stuff. So Mother Miranda discovering that sort of parasite living under the world and using it to control and create immortality was sort of the start of Umbrella crafting bio bio weapons and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to do some Googling like once I found that note because I was like, oh, this is the guy that's probably like from the main or the, you know, the rest of the games or whatever. So that was kind of cool to find out that they tied it all together. Um, that He was almost like a student of hers in a way. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like the progenitor in a way of the whole series, you know? Yeah. She's um, like a forerunner basically yeah. of like the Resident Evil universe. Um, I got to say though, I mean, the the last of us, you know, I mean, if molds basically just fungus. They need to step up the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, I know this one was cool. Cause it was like an actual living parasite thing. Like yeah. the mega my I, I think it's implied that it was kind of like a, I mean, they say mold, but it's not really mold. I mean, it's more like a mold doesn't give alien. you magnet powers. <laughs> yeah, true, true. But yeah, it's a parasite thing is, more than anything. This thing, yeah, it's like a. It almost looked like an alien, honestly. And in Resident Evil Four, the main parasite is called Las Plagas, and it's like in in Resident Evil Four, the lore is it's actually a completely different virus, and it's a parasite that's like from the prehistoric like Jurassic era, like 65 million years ago that had been buried underground and a village discovers it underground and basically, and figures out that it has telekinetic, like telepathic capabilities and they start using it to like control people, which is what the zombies are in Resident Evil 4. Yeah. So sorry, I'm lore dumping on you right now. No, honestly, you know, it's cool too. Cause I mean, the game, I was very, you know, I was super interested for one and all the different Lords. In fact, I actually wish we hadn't, learned a little bit more other than like just the notes like oh she was royalty or oh he just was a guy or whatever i kind of i would have actually loved just like like a five minute like cuts yeah like just to like what they were about before they got to the village before they met mother miranda because i thought it was so interesting how heisenberg you know i mean the rest of them were actually you know pretty much simps for mother miranda mm-hmm. but heisenberg was truly very like no fuck this bitch i want my life back and i, I found that very <laughs> interesting um yeah and honestly, you know, I, I think like in some ways I don't really disagree with, I, I don't think it was necessarily would have been a bad idea teaming up with him, honestly. Yeah, um, I know. I mean, I maybe I was kind of confused with how he intended to use Rose, but the impression that I got was Rose could live. Maybe I was wrong on that because obviously that's the deal breaker there. But um, I mean, hey, if Rose can live and you gain a powerful ally, like fuck it, why not ball, right? 
yeah. and I, I really liked his character. I really liked his voice actor too. It was a very unique voice, almost in the yeah. sense of like, it almost like was always condescending in a way. And I liked that. Yeah. He had a good performance, man. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like Ethan really killed it in the performance, although he's like kind of screaming in fear most of the time. Yeah. I thought Heisenberg probably had the most subtle performance where like he actually got to kind of play around a little bit uh for sure and everybody else like i don't know um mother d or mistress d the big woman she was kind of one note the whole time although everybody did good but some people had more room to play than others heisenberg definitely did yeah yeah (sighs) yeah and Uh, the way he mutates it's like some akira shit honestly i know he was straight up akira dude that was so sick um let's jump into game design i feel like we're stuck on story a little bit yeah yeah um Um, so it's really classic survival horror right um, yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, you're always wondering, do you have enough ammo? Do you have enough, um, you know, where you're going? Are the enemies behind me? Are there enemies in front of me? Like, do I need to be checking every corner? Um, so I think it really takes a lot of what you would see in a game like Bioshock or maybe even a game like Last of Us and then just kind of amps it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think what's really cool, uh, like in this game and all the Resident Evil games, there's this whole thing with ammo where you never really feel like you have enough ammo. Right. And that's like a all intentionally designed too. like when you open it, you know, when you open a drawer and there's no ammo there, it's because the game didn't spawn any ammo for you to actually get because the game is saying that you have enough right now. Like you, you don't need any more. The merchant, right? Like the Duke, he runs out of ammo to sell you. Like he runs out of first aid to sell you, you know? So like you can't just kind of power your way through by like having enough money and like getting too strong. Basically the game is always limiting how powerful you can really become. Even weapon upgrades are blocked throughout time, throughout the game. So you can't even upgrade your weapon all the way until the very end. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of been a staple of Resident Evil. I, I know, having played the other games and just the way Capcom has designed it, that it's sort of an illusion where you are going to feel like you don't have enough ammo, but you still do. <laughs> like, if you use all your weaponry and just blow your shotgun all the way, you're still going to be able to kill everything in your path enough um like you probably never had to really take out your knife right no honestly i mean once i kind of figured out crafting all the ammo recipes i kind of felt like i was pretty good most of the time yeah and then there were some times where you had a ton of ammo and then you fought a boss and you're like okay Mm -hmm. and you just drain everything like the only other time i didn't i felt like i didn't have enough was when i fought moreau um and yeah i had to use like mines i had to like be really smart i had to shoot the explosive barrels to get him down he was actually kind of hard um but yeah, I think that the game design is made to feel very tense, make you feel like you don't have enough, uh, a lot of scarcity going on, which I think is really cool. Because um, that's the thing is, like I said, it's a it, the genre is horror. You know, your horrific things are happening. There's blood and guts and all that scary stuff. But then the game design also follows suit, where you don't move very fast and like I don't know. It's it's cool too, like how there's a blocking mechanic and like blocking can help reduce some of the damage that you get but then if you don't block like the zombie is biting right in your face and like you see this thing in front of you and i think every time you get attacked is like another moment to like have a monster just straight up in your face scaring you which i think is really cool yeah yeah. so all the mechanics really feed into the moment of being uneasy having tension being scared and i think it's great i think the game design just totally fit every single aspect of the game 100%. 100%. Yeah. I um I really liked the Duke as the merchant. Um yeah. I just I loved him. He was fun. 
interesting character. And I kind of like how the end things for him where he's like, I think when he kind of like helps Ethan recuperate at the end after he quote dies, um, Ethan literally asks the Duke, like, what are you? Like, who are you? And he's like, ah, good sir. Even I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I kind of like how they left that super ambiguous, actually. Um, Yeah. And yeah, I mean, very good blend of horror and action. And I think the game does a really good job, too, of giving each one an opportunity to shine. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, you know, when you're in Donna's uh, doll, not dollhouse, but when you're in Donna's house, yeah, the dollhouse, um, you know, it's very, you, you don't really have your weapons any of pretty much the whole time. You don't, you don't really it's not a gun encounter fight. weapons. Yeah. Or you don't really encounter enemies per se, barring um, barring the weird baby thing. Like it's oh pretty much just going and exploring and very scarily, you know, exploring in the dark, but it's not too, um, there's no real combat in it. Um, and even the final boss fight in there is just a game of hide and seek. Yeah, um, dude. But uh, and then you have moments like the stronghold or like when you get to play as Chris Redfield against all the lichens, which I I loved that moment. I felt so good. In, as yeah, as I know. Finally, <laughs> finally, like, oh, my God, all much all, all this ammo, basically like really powerful guns and grenades and a fucking like laser pointer rocket, whatever. Um, yeah, rocket assisted laser sick. pointer. So, so good. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun. Um, yeah. How did you feel about the uh, art style? Uh, I dug it. You know, I think that the monster designs are really, really something to write home about. Like, I think, you know, like you encounter some lichens, and okay, like they're lichens, they're kind of just like zombie monster things. And then, like as the game starts moving forward, the designs get very creative. And I think that for the limitations of one, the theme of where you're at. They managed to like get all these really interesting designs in and still have it make sense. Like Heisenberg didn't feel out of place. Like when you're fighting, you go from fighting lichens and vampires, like I said, to fighting like Akira, like <laughs> the Akira monster, you know, and it still somehow works. And I think like all the concepts of what you're fighting, what they look like, um, totally, totally, totally work. And like the factory was one of my favorite places, like from an art style standpoint. I thought that the creatures in that area and the monsters that you fight were all incredibly well designed. I thought they looked scary. They were just this like nasty, like mechanical punk biohazard zombie creatures. And like they were scary and like futuristic looking like, but not at the same time. I just thought they were perfect. Um, And Mother Miranda herself as a final boss was epic, like a straight up like hellish dark angel that somehow yeah. works in this whole setting. Like the way that you kind of led up to it, it just made sense as a final boss from an art style standpoint, even though you never would have accepted it at the beginning because the game just felt so grounded. Yeah. Right. So I thought that was a really, really cool choice. Um, you know, the environments all look great. Each one of them feels unique from the reservoir to the house, the haunted house with the dolls to the castle to the factory. I think every area had its own very unique personality and was very, very cool. What'd you think? I I mean, I think, you know, you you nailed it on the head. Everything was just so, even though like it all kind of had in a way, like a very similar aesthetic, like everything felt very unique from the castle to the house to, you know, the tunnels with Moreau. Um, and then finally to Heisenberg's factory, it was all just, it had its very undistinct flavor and especially Heisenberg's factory, you know, I was so blown away with just how that looked. And I mean, I I think 
once I got past the first like realization of what the fuck is this baby thing, I kind of got less scared. But I was honestly pretty scared in, in Heisenberg's factory. Just like yeah, me too. Because <laughs> especially in there, there's a lot of like narrow passages and corners you're rounding, and you don't know like what's gonna be around there. Um, and just the aesthetic of like yeah, like the steampunk crazy aesthetic of these guys is just these monsters that he's made is, is pretty terrifying, honestly. Um, and so unique for yeah, like and, uh, what you expected in this game. And, and yeah. And even just like thinking about like those used to be humans that just got like totally fucked by Heisenberg, <laughs> you know, like that's just, such yeah. A, and you see so many of them too. I know. Um, I know. it's just, it's, it's pretty terrifying. Um, yeah, I loved it. I really like the set piece designs. I really like the design of every individual Lord. Um, I thought they were really cool. Um, and I love the design of the Duke period. I know. Like, I think he was so, he was so interesting just to go back to him for a quick second. One, I like merchants and games are kind of like a whole thing too. You know, merchants and games are like totally a thing. Like they're always existing in modern AAA video games and merchants can go a number of different ways, right? Like they're kind of your upgrade people. Sometimes they have personalities of their own. Sometimes they're just vendors, right? The Duke, I think, was probably one of the most unique, memorable merchant-type characters in a game because he actually ends up being within the plot of the game, for yeah. one. And he serves like a pretty strong mechanical purpose and shows up different in every zone where he's just like, he's in the elevator in Heisenberg's factory for yeah, no logical yeah. reason. <laughs> and he just looks there. like It just makes sense where he's at. And he's just like, oh, hey, Ethan. And you're like, oh, what do you got? <laughs> like, yeah. he's just, there's no way he could be there. Like, he's huge. There's no way he should be in this factory, but he is. Um, I think that's really, really cool. Or he's like at the reservoir inside of Moreau's, like, save point right before you fight Moreau. You know, he's like right in there. I think that's really cool, too. So the Duke was great. I love, too, that, like, none of the um, lords ever acknowledge him. It's just like, oh, do you, it's kind of like, like an unspoken rule, like you just, you don't fuck with the Duke kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, big Duke fan, big Duke fan. Um, all right. Sound design. Incredible. Fucking so good. Awesome. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, that was just to stand out. I, you know, I, I think obviously there's like kind of music or like ambient sounds at some point, but um, a lot of the game is just you and your own breathing and whatever's happening in the house, like actually happening, not like extra music thrown in and, or whatever is happening, you know, in the factory, wherever you are. Um, and it, it just truly creates, you know, I, I think it's sound design for the perfect sound design for a horror games. I would describe it. Yeah, I completely agree with that one. And then shout out to like when the music finally does kick in during some of those boss battles, especially the Mo mother Miranda boss battle, it straight up becomes like, Final Fantasy level angelic choir orchestrated music yeah. when you fight the final boss. So it becomes like an, a real epic fight and the music stands out even more because so much of the game has been so quiet. Um, I think that was really great. And then like we said, the voice acting um, was all well executed. I think that some of it was pretty one note, like Ethan's kind of on the same exact level the whole time. Um, he does emote quite a bit of fear in the noises he makes. So credit to the voice actor. We have to look up the uh, VA for that one. But like just the breathing and the movement from Ethan throughout the entire game really carries like a certain level of fear in a lot of those cutscenes and stuff. And I think that was really cool. Um, and of course, Moreau, dude, just like the weird voice, like 
can't really understand what he's saying. Like some of that stuff was really, really awesome. The grotesqueness of like the way every Lord spoke and like the yeah. disrespect that like mother D had and stuff. I think like pompousness and conceitedness, like a lot of that came through in a lot of these characters. And that was really cool. Yeah. Every, I mean, I kind of talked about it. Like what you just mentioned with Heisenberg, how it always just sounded so like condescending, even when he was trying to like appeal to you or peace to you. But, um, Super well done by all the voice actors. Everyone crushed it, in my opinion. Um, absolutely loved it. It is uh, Todd Soli that is the voice actor for Ethan Winters. Actually, looks like what I imagine Ethan looks like as well. There you go. Yeah. I love it. All right. Um, NPC Award, Lucas. Ooh, I'm going to go with uh, Mother Miranda. I really liked her. I loved her origin story as a villain. I loved learning about what she was about, how she, at the end of the day, was just trying to revive her child who died 100 years ago during the Spanish flu epidemic. And uh, so the story is that Mother Miranda, her daughter died, and the megamycite, which is like the parasite living under the village, absorbs the consciousness of people in the village when they die. So the parasite absorbed the consciousness of Mother Miranda's daughter. So Mother Miranda goes on a lifelong journey Oh, and then Mother Miranda, in her grief, goes into a cave to kill herself and then finds the Megamycite. That's kind of the story. Yeah. Um, so the game, the origins of Resident Evil as a franchise begins with a virus called the Spanish Flu and continues along with the uh, virus in all these different games. So I thought that was a really cool circular, cyclical thing that was going on. And Mother Miranda, she was one of those villains where pure evil, destructive, scary, all that stuff, but... At the end of the day, like good intentions uh, from the very beginning. So I thought it made for a very complex villain. I thought her design was stunning and uh, she was a lot of fun to just see <laughs> in a lot of ways. So I, I gave her the NPC award. What about you? <sighs> the Duke. <laughs> All right. Hell yeah. Ethan, I feel boy. like that's a Matt Rockaby take for sure. Yeah. I just, I was always so happy to see him whenever he showed up. Um, he saves your ass at the end. Um, and he's just a hardworking guy making his living and clearly he's badass cause no one fucks with him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like, I loved his character design. I always just like got a kick out of like, you know, I'd be like, I would save with the typewriter real quick and then I would just like set my controller down and go do something. And I just hear him like, <laughs> yeah, just like coughing for no reason. Just like, <laughs> just like breathing stupidly heavy. And I just, I loved hanging out with the Duke. I thought it was so yeah, funny. Yeah. What do you think over under? 450 pounds, 500 pounds, Over. 600 pounds. I think we're in the six to 700 range. Yeah, he is huge. He's we should massive. probably look up the Resident Evil wiki on the Duke. He's probably, they probably got him. He's, he's massive. The Duke. Oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of the Duke stuff going on. So maybe I typed could, in uh, RE the Duke way. And the first thing I got is a Reddit thread. That's, says an actual 700 pound man cosplaying as the duke and it's pretty what? accurate no way i'm okay, gonna send this that's... to you on discord real quick right now okay can... oh my god i can't believe i, I want to so he must weigh 700 pounds then mostly at least yeah wow okay oh there's a whole biography on him very cool okay so there's a whole there's a whole backstory to him we could probably look yeah at. Very cool. Okay. Uh, also, what is Lee insane. or Lei, the currency in the game? Is that made up or is that some sort of European country currency? 
Not not that I'm aware of. Um, the RE8 currency. I've never heard of that before. I'm not like super privy to, um, you know, all the other <laughs> uh, currencies in um, Europe. But I, I got it. Romania, Romania and yeah. Moldova. I was going to say after a quick Google search, um, apparently that's the currency of Romania. So, or they called it Lu L E U. So I guess the pearl version is Lay. So it's probably hmm. the game is probably in Romania. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shout out real quick to there is also some DLC um, for like basically there's some DLC that takes place as sort of an epilogue for Resident Evil Village where you play as a teenage Rosemary. I think it takes place like 16 years after the events Apparently that the happened. Duke's a bad guy in that too. And the Duke is a bad guy in that one in like a dark kind of dream-like thing that uh, Rosemary's having. So uh, Evil Duke is a thing. Evil Duke is a thing. Um, all right. Companion piece pick. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. You know, I may, I, I may have used this actually previously. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But I'm going to go with the book Desperation by Stephen King. Okay. Um, I feel it's like a horror book. Yeah, and I, just, I, I was it was a good one for this too. But it's a horror book, um, and it takes place in this town where like there's this guy that's clearly like something's wrong with him, like kind of mutated and infected with something, and it's kind of like similar to where you stumble upon a village, and like there's a lot of like larger kind of like alien type stuff happening. So similar energy in that regard. Hell yeah. Um, Desperation, Stephen King. Desperation, very nice. What year? What year was that one? Is that an oh older gosh. Stephen King or is that a relatively uh, new Stephen King? I think it's older. We read it for my book club, and let's see, ninety six. Okay, man, almost thirty years old. Crazy. That's crazy. Don't say that. I was born in ninety six. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in ninety five, man. Um, my companion piece pick is Twenty Eight Days Later, which I feel like I picked before as well. Did did I have I picked this one? Maybe I can't say for sure. Um, that's another zombie one, though, right? Like with yeah, I feel virus. like I probably would have picked it during uh, Left for Dead. Maybe um, I don't really have a backup one, so I'll just reiterate. Twenty eight days later, I think everyone should watch this movie. Um, it is Halloween. It is a horror movie. It's incredible. It's a two thousand two British post apocalyptic horror movie directed by Danny Boyle, and it has our boy uh, Cillian Murphy in it, who is a uh, Oppenheimer. So if anybody is uh, interested in checking out some early Cillian Murphy that you haven't seen before, probably uh, check out 28 Days Later. Um, the whole thing is like a guy is in a coma and wakes up and the apocalypse happens. So he wakes up to the zombie apocalypse and all of London is just like completely devoid and empty. And he's just like trying to figure out what happened. Um, and the zombies in that one are violent, scary, fast moving zombies right so similar to some resident evil type zombies which is cool i'd be pretty salty if i just missed the apocalypse personally <laughs> i would just say like uh forget it like i'll just go back to sleep on this one yeah. favorite Ooh, moment all right favorite moments um it was really just everything with heisenberg for me um mm-hmm. it was kind of my favorite moment i really like the baby but I just I loved hanging out with Heisenberg, him just being like, Ethan, my guy, come on. Like, <laughs> let's go fuck that bitch up. Like, I don't know. I gotta <laughs> I gotta I gotta kick out of him quite a bit. I actually liked him quite a bit as a character. So um I guess it's not a favorite moment. Um 
But yeah, just I guess maybe like when Heisenberg tries to appeal to you when you first get to the factory, I quite enjoyed that. Okay, awesome. Love that. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I thought every moment with Heisenberg was really fun and him talking to us throughout the factory was pretty top notch. Yeah. Uh, my favorite moment is definitely the haunted house, the dollhouse moment. Uh, I think that's where the game completely leaned into every single horror element, like the horror tropes, um, dolls, mannequins, dark houses, haunted houses, lights going out, hide and seek. Like that whole part of the game was like hardcore that I, I loved everything about it. And I know it was probably for you. It's probably like the scariest moment in the game. For me, it was for sure. But like you had to give it to him like during that oh, whole moment, sure. like when you got out of that house finally and like you kind of take a breath of fresh air, you're like, holy shit, that was scary. Like, that yeah, got, yeah, that got me for sure. Um, for those of you, like basically you go into this haunted house, all of your weapons get taken away and you get stuck in this nightmare dream sequence where there's a horrific creature chasing you through the dark hallways of this house that you just barely ever see and you have to run around corners hide under a bed avoid it at all costs you cannot fight it you cannot kill it and it is crying and screaming like a baby but it's a huge monster. Yeah. yeah oh my god it's so scary bro it is so creepy and like i just love that they leaned into it like i i think Really, really cool monster movies. Really, really great horror movies with a with an iconic epic monster. Like that's what they really went for, and they swung for it and they hit it and knocked it completely out of the park. I thought that was really great. Yeah. And then like the boss fight is nothing. Like as soon as you get through all that, the boss fight's just like not even really a fight. You're just looking around the house for a a doll in various rooms and you stab it with a knife. Yeah, so. pretty pretty yeah, just really good all around. Um, <laughs> I think something that's really good too is how well the game kind of juxtaposes like when you're in these terrifying areas and then you finally get outside, whether it's like the castle or the dollhouse and you're like, oh, like the horrors aside, like this is actually a pretty beautiful area, like the scenery yeah. and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it juxtaposes that very well, I think. Um, okay, nitpicks. Uh, I, I mentioned mine earlier and I, you kind of, I think you agreed with me on this, but the story was pretty, you know, bottom heavy last last 10 percent uh which i'm not a huge fan of but you know overall like that's not a huge thing yeah that's my thing too uh bottom heavy and um yeah i think one one element of the game that i think was a little kind of like felt fell a little flat for me was probably the cooking stuff with the duke like making food and like permanently increasing your stats i never even food. worried about that yeah, I thought that was a little bit of a miss. I think it would have been cooler if it was like a little bit more, I guess, uh, elaborated on or need necessary because I thought it was a pretty interesting situation. Basically, the Duke can cook food for you. Um, you could find animals throughout the village to slaughter like chicken or like goats or cows, pigs, fish even. You could take that food to the Duke and he can cook it for you to permanently increase your stats. But... I don't know. It never really felt worth it. It wasn't necessary to really beat the game. I don't, I don't think it really made the game that much easier because by your by the time you're late into the game, it's a lot of quick time sequences and like your health doesn't necessarily matter because the bosses kind of kill you. Like if you fuck up on getting hit by the boss twice, you're dead anyway. It, it kind of didn't matter if if your health was if you can guard and it decrease the damage you took while guarding, which is what some of the food did. 
Um, and then by the end too, you have so much money and like you just can't buy anything anymore. Did that happen to you? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, cause I was just like, I just want more ammo and I can't buy that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I had like, I would have liked it if you could like maybe buy food for like super, that was super expensive just to, like, cause I didn't really care to hunt down like, you know, the chickens and the pigs or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I will say one of the, like either it was like either like an ox or a cow. One of them kind of fucked me up low key. Yeah, <laughs> I just I was just yeah. like walking by them like whatever they're not going to do anything, and they just like rammed me out of nowhere. I was like, I was like the fuck. <laughs> shot them both, of course. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You had to get the meat, of course. So um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, anything else on that end? Uh, no, just just like I feel like the merchant stuff. The shop wasn't as, I for lack of a better word, like balanced near the end game. Where like I once you get all your upgrades, strongly. Yeah. once you get all your upgrades, like all of a sudden you have so much money, you just can't do anything with it. There's yeah, because no, like, especially like you know you were getting like oh all these like crystal hearts, perfect or crystallized heart, complex I'm crystallized just, like, heart. Great, I can sell this for eighty thousand and buy nothing with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it just became useless. So maybe it becomes yeah. different on other playthroughs or something, but certainly I played on standard difficulty. No, the, those things were worthless near the end. So yeah. All right. Uh, um, rename the game. Rename the game. Oof. I got I got one. I got Go one for, for you. It. Resident Evil Child's Descent. Or Resident Ooh. Evil Daughter's Descent. Okay. Okay. Because it's about dead daughters, yes, ultimately. Sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. What you got? I got a few. Um Resident Mold. Okay. <laughs> okay. The trials of e- of uh, Ethan Winters. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I was really trying with this one, Matt. Just, I kind of so like to. I have I have fun with them. <laughs> okay. I okay. have fun. Rosebud. <laughs> okay. I like I like it. That's fine. That's that's what I got. Okay. Yeah. I also have <laughs> Angel's Caress. Resident Evil Angel's Caress. Yeah. A little dramatic, but not yeah. bad. Not bad. Well. Yeah. I, I honestly, Village doesn't really tell you much. I feel like they probably could have. I feel like they could have done a little bit more with this title, but they needed to go with village because of the Roman numerals situation. I'm kind of okay with it. I feel like it, you know, I mean, what does biohazard tell you, right? Like keeps it pretty broad, you know? Yeah, that's true. Village tells you zero though, other than yeah. it takes place in a village. At least but biohazard I mean, like, sounds well, cool. When does any game tell you that much? So like the last of us kingdom hearts, like we, the last <laughs> of us tells you a lot. The last of us like, explains that it's a post-apocalyptic game basically that's it though like no nuance to it or anything like you know it's resident evil so you know what you're going to be facing i don't know that's true that's true i mean you say resident evil 8 that's enough so yeah i get it yeah Yeah. um all right well would you play other games from this developer matthew i mean yeah maybe not other resident evil games unless i have to for the podcast but i like capcom a lot street fighter is great so absolutely yeah and you love uh ace attorney as a series, it's attorney, right? yeah, yeah, it's great. You haven't really was, played much Mega, any Mega Man though, right? I played a little bit on my Game Boy Advance growing up, but I Battle Network. Not, I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, you know, for those out there that have played Resident Evil Seven or Resident Evil Eight, that are mild fans of the series, the Resident Evil Four remake is genuinely, seriously, a phenomenal game. Like, not even just a really great Resident Evil game; it's a fantastic single player third person action adventure game horror, horror action adventure horror game um and it, it's perfect it's probably the best version of these type of games i think resident Evil 4 is probably even better than this game honestly um it's 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 outstanding so capcom is on a roll uh definitely playing other games from this developer definitely have played other games from this developer i'm excited to dive into what they have in the future 
I love it. All right. Um, actually, do we know what they're coming out with in the future? I don't think anything's been announced formally. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil 9. I'm just typing that into Google, seeing what happens. Uh, possibly a 2025 20, release window for Resident Evil yeah. 5, for Resident Evil 9. I guess they I did just it. remake RE4. Yeah, that's the thing. And they're probably going to remake. I don't know if they will remake five very soon, but I mean, they have they're doing these string of remakes and they're all very successful so far. So they'll probably remake five at a certain point, which would be really cool because that's actually a, a, a co-op game through and through. So that'd be a fun one to do if they ever release that. Yeah. Would you say RE4 is more like action horror or like survival horror? It's it's survival horror, but it is it is a shooty game. I mean, like you have like tons of weapons. There's like way more shooting in that game than there is in this game. Um, there's like a lot of positioning. There's like a lot of skill. There's like straight up parts that are like survive the onslaught for like ten minutes or something like that. Yeah, there's really? a few of those in nice. Resident Evil Four. Um, and I don't know. Like you're playing kind of as a special agent. You're not playing as Ethan Winters is like a civilian, right? And Leon Kennedy in Resident Evil Four is actually like. A, a star Trained. like he can kick yeah. and shoot and jump up walls and run and all this kind of stuff so it's a little bit of a different kind of game but can he glue his uh, arm back on he cannot if he <laughs> loses that arm it's gone it's freaking gone what uh, did you think of that reveal yeah. actually that ethan was dead the whole time <laughs> <laughs> just kind of funny honestly yeah. just like okay it changed nothing yeah uh, he still dies yeah. at the end yeah. uh i thought i don't know i i think Resident Evil like is always trying to like do crazy twist type stuff in their games near the end. So I guess there needed to be some kind of twist, but honestly it didn't really hit super, super hard. But by that point in the game, you're kind of just accepting anything as reality. So you're just like, okay, he's made of yeah. mold. He's kind of immortal, whatever. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I love it. All right. Um, rating. Rating times. Uh, on the count of three. Yeah. One two three nine. nine. Ooh, okay both giving it the nine love it yes, sir that puts it at an 18 out of 20 it's a good score yeah i mean i was terrified but it's definitely a very good game um i liked it quite a bit I, i'm glad you liked it man i'm really really glad you liked it it was a short game too it's only like 12, 10 hours like nine to ten hours for your basic play, standard playthrough yeah perfect october game i would say yes. Um, it's, it's short. It's nice to play. I played this game at night. I, so I didn't even mention this. Matt was playing it during the day with all the lights on with music in the background. I was playing this at night with all the lights off and loving every single second of it. So if you're, if you like horror, pick the game up, it's cheaper now. Cause it's been, already been out for a couple of years. I think it's actually a PS4 release. Technically. Is it uh, a, la a last generation game? Village? 2021. 2021. Oh, well, I guess, uh, let me check. Actually, I'm not sure technically which one it would be. Well, it I mean, out, it's like both. Yeah, I guess it was a cross-generational game. So it's a, a, it came out, I guess, for both consoles at the same time. But it was a, officially released in... Uh, oh, I guess it was a 2021 game, which puts it... Oh, man. When, did, when, when do we count this generation for existing, Matthew? 2020. Okay, so it is, it, it's a crossover game for both generations. I mean, honestly, up until this year, like most games were PS4 and PS5 or, you know, True. last gen, new gen, back and True. forth on that, yeah. Hey, before we go, let me try and call Mickey one more time. Okay. Let's just see what happens. And then we can, then we can call it a recording, huh? Oh, it's calling. It's actually ringing. 
Come on, Mickey, answer your phone, bro. Man, scared. Oh, man, what is he doing? Yo. Mickey. What's up? Me and Matt are recording right now. Uh, just had a question for you. You're on What's speaker. Up, how'd you feel? How'd you feel about Herbert throwing that uh, pick at the very end? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that that's it for the show today. <laughs> All right, everyone. As always, off, you know where to find us at TFP Podcast. And the S at the end. Shoot us an email, thanksplainpod at gmail.com. Go to our website, thanksplain.live. Join the Discord. <laughs> Discord coming out. It's a good time. Uh, all right, everyone, this has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Scooby Bop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle. 